it was about the fact that I was, I was going to take my power back. Uh, this trauma was not going to define me. And when I put my guitar back in the case and everybody applauded and a kid threw a dollar bill into my guitar case, and, <laughs> you know, everyone laughed and it was, you know, the sense that I had walking away was one of freedom. Mm. I mean, yes, I felt confidence. Yes, I felt joy. Yes, you know, yes, I felt like I was levitating uh, my way back to my car. But really the truest emotion was one of freedom because that, that it just, I was done. It was over. Mm -hmm. You're a high achiever. On paper and through the eyes of others, you've made it. Congratulations. But the truth is, you feel unwanted, unworthy, and unlovable. You always have, but you hide it well. Welcome to the Trauma Hiders Podcast. I'm Karen Goldfinger Baker, and this is a podcast where high achievers like you finally reveal what keeps them up at night that no amount of money or recognition will fix. I'm also making it my business to speak with people who get you, Hell, I get you. I am you. So get your best hider's face on, sit down, and let your guard down. What's on the other side of this shit will change your life. There are so many ways people like us fuck ourselves over. But let's start with five ways. When you know them, maybe you'll finally stop doing them. Over on my website, you'll find a free download listing the five ways your fuckery is getting in the way of the next level of your success. Grab it now at karengoldfingerbaker.com. This conversation is a power-packed roller coaster ride, and my amusement park buddy is speaker, coach, entrepreneur, father, igniter of movements, and soon-to-be famous author, Scott Simon. To me, Scott is a thoughtful, velvet-voiced, leader of all the bands, from a moving soloist to creating a movement called Scare Your Soul and a book by the same name expected in early December 2022. Scott's commitment to his own growth is the embodiment of an invitation to live fully and fully expressed. Listener, you have a fast pass to this roller coaster ride. Climb on board, buckle in right here, right now in the Trauma Hiders Club. Scott Simon. <laughs> Karen Baker. <laughs> you know, it's funny to you. I am Karen Baker into my world of podcasting and coaching. I am Karen Goldfinger Baker. I brought. Oh, back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There you go. Well, right. that that just enhances everything. So right. Karen Goldfinger Baker. I yeah. Love it. It's interesting. Like it, it was intentional. I brought back a part of me like my inner child who gets to play in this grown-up game. Yes. So, yeah. I love that. I love yeah, that. Yeah, so it's really fun. Um, so, Scott Simon, <laughs> in the intro, I spoke about you and Scare Your Soul and the movement therein. Tell me, what are you most scared of right now? Well, I, my answer is going to be very cliche. I have a book coming out, and I think every person who has written about their life, whether it's in a blog post or certainly in a book, 
um, there is this inherent <laughs> terror mm. that you are putting things out there that you haven't put out before that are going to make people question or judge. Mm -hmm. And inevitably, you know, I, I wrote something recently to our newsletter participants that it's like running naked down Main Street. I mean, when you when you really get authentic and real about yourself and you put it out there, which I, I highly recommend that everybody tries to do, that it's scary. So mm -hmm. what I like about where I am right now is, is it feels scary and exciting. And that's that that's the kind of nexus that drives me. I, I don't love just pure excitement. Like pleasure excitement seem, is fine with, for me, but when I'm scared and excited, that's like when I'm at my best. Mm. Scared and excited. Is that different than like nervous and excited? Well, it's almost like, I would call it like healthy anxiety. It's like when you have butterflies in your stomach because you're about to embark on something that pushes you out of a comfort zone, but you at the same time, you're feeling, for me, it's butterflies in my stomach. I and mean, mm -hmm. we all kind of feel tension or fear or anxiety in different ways in our bodies. I feel it literally like butterflies in my stomach. And I know that, you know, nervous to me feels like sometimes it, it doesn't have weight to it. I'm nervous because I'm, you know, I have to go to the DMV and I'm nervous because there may be a long line. And and that's the, not the kind of nervous that, that, that I'm talking about. It's, you know, I... I've been putting off having a conversation with someone that I need to have, and I'm going to have it today. I feel anxiety because <laughs> I'm entering the unknown. I'm entering uncomfortability. I'm entering truth and honesty that may upset somebody. But at the same time, I'm kind of excited because I need to have it and I know I need to have it. And I'm proud of myself that I'm having it. So that's the kind of mixture of intentions that... I feel like undergirds what scare your soul is about. It's not mm. really like I'm going to fling myself out of an airplane just for the hell of it. It's I'm going to conquer something because I need to conquer it. And I'm going to be better because I did it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm curious about your boogeyman. Mm -hmm. So the scary thing about putting yourself out there about, you know, releasing a book, launching a book. Yeah. Imagine for a moment the scariest receiver of your book or the scariest reader. That's easy. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and this may this may relate to some of your listeners and and it may not. But to yeah. me, you know, I grew up in a family that craved perfection. I grew up in a family that craved, you know, looking both looking perfect and acting perfect. And you certainly wouldn't, you know, put your dirty laundry out there for anybody to talk about or judge. And I, I really had a wonderful, very affirming family life. And I, I write about this in the book. In fact, I think it's actually really important for those of us who did grow up in an affirming family that we actually talk about the fact that we still have tremendous, we still had and have tremendous struggles. And that, you know, for those friends of mine and loved ones that grew up in families that had were rife with challenge, there are traumas and memories and experiences that, that come from that. But even those of us who came home and, you know, my mom baked cookies, you know, when, we, when, I, when I arrived home, that didn't protect me from being bullied 
mm-hmm. at school it didn't protect me from the kid who wanted to come at me with a reflector pole and shove it into you know down my throat so i think that's a really important message but i think the people that that scare me the most are the ones that i'm closest to mm-hmm. it's those people it's like my parents who who tried so hard to protect me and you can't protect a child completely it's it's impossible to be able to protect to bubble wrap a child and to put them out in the world and and somehow make everything come out exactly the way that you want that's just not life and and also it's my struggles are really essentially what drive me uh, very you know to a large degree so when my parents read this book and it'll be a you know probably be a hard read for them and so is it scary yes is it okay and should still happen? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As you hand your parents your book, what do you imagine you might say to them? Well, I, I would say that I, I love you and that every word that I write in this book is truth. Mm. And I think that's, I, listen, if, <laughs> if we can walk through life saying to the people we care about, I love you, and what I'm going to give to you is truth. That's a damn good life. Yeah, that's winning. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I love that. Before I put out my podcast, um, so on day one, I, I think it was either eight or 10 episodes launched on the first day. I remember the, the day before, right? It all went live at five o'clock in the morning because that's what it does. And day before I thought on this day, I am this person. And when this podcast launches into the world, it is the beginning of something different. I didn't know if it was something better, worse. I just knew it was different. And what I didn't know at that time was what was on the other side of five o'clock in the morning launch was freedom in a way that was, you know, I'd done a lot of work to free myself of my bullshit, but it was a freedom of, ah, the sun came up, the podcast was launched, people listened, and I didn't die, even running down the street naked. I didn't die. Nobody nobody called me to say, you're a horrible person. I didn't think of myself as a horrible person there was freedom. And, and I thought, I remember toward the end of that first day, I thought, even if somebody called me to say I'm a horrible person for telling truths, that's cool. I'm okay with it. That was like the launch of the most freedom I had felt up until that point in my life. And I think freedom, you're keying in on, I think the most important word, at least to the work that I do, in encouraging people to push past their comfort bubble they've created for themselves. And there, there are all kinds of reasons and, and good ones, by the way, that we, that we create a, a routine and comfort and homeostasis in our lives. Our bodies are designed for it. Our amygdalas and, and, and other brain structures push us towards a sense of safety and, and away from fearful or, or dangerous situations. And so it's okay that we create comfort bubbles. And, and for those of us who uh, you know, live through a pandemic, 
we have an extra padding of that around us because everything outside our front doors was dangerous. Mm-hmm. It was life-threatening even. And, and people in grocery stores with masks next to us were dangerous. And so, you know, we, we retreated in so many ways. And I think some of us, you know, are still fighting to come out of that, trying to push, you know, to cut through the bubble wrap and say, what does it mean to live in this fully in this world again? Mm-hmm. But when we do these things, you know, my one of my past traumas um, that basically was almost like the launching pad for Scare Your Soul what happened to me in fourth grade. And it seems so silly <laughs> now when I talk about it, and I certainly wrote about it in the book, our choir was getting ready for our holiday concert. And there was a song, 76 Trombones, that our choir in fourth grade was going to sing for all of our parents that were going to be there the next week. I had a one-line solo, and I could not get it right. I, mess- I messed it up every single time. And there was a substitute choir teacher. I remember he was wearing a Hawaiian shirt with like palm trees on it, you know, like Magnum PI style. And he got so frustrated with me that he basically stormed towards me in front of the entire grade and told me to mouth the words I should not be singing. I literally should just be silent. And it was so embarrassing in the moment and I couldn't move and my I, my face turned red and and I think for 35 years after that, I never sang, you know, alone in 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 public. It was like this monkey on my back. And it's not the kind of thing that I talk about at, you know, parties or, you know, it's not a part of conversation, but I would even go to concerts with friends and they would be silly singing and dancing and I would be mouthing the words. Mm. And I, I, you know, almost it was just a part of me that he he removed from me that joy of singing in that moment, in that one moment in fourth grade. So I chose, because I just love this work, to bring a guitar and sing in front of a restaurant on a busy brunch Sunday morning. That, by choice, no one, no one forced me to do it. And I brought my guitar in front of this very popular restaurant on a Sunday morning with a big line of brunch lovers down the block. And I opened my guitar case and I took out my guitar and singing was one of the hardest things probably that I've ever done. Mm. And I assure you, nobody thought I had a good voice. Nobody. There was not one person there who was like, oh, that guy sings really well. So it wasn't about talent. It wasn't about Mm -hmm. accomplishment. It was about the fact that I was was going to take my power back. Uh, This trauma was not going to define me. And when I put my guitar back in the case and everybody applauded and a kid threw a dollar bill into my guitar case, (laughs) you know, everyone laughed. And it was, you know, the sense that I had walking away to your point, was one of freedom. Mm. It wasn't, I mean, yes, I felt confidence. Yes, I felt joy. Yes, you know, yes, I felt like I was levitating uh, my way back to my car. But really the truest emotion was one of freedom because that, that it just, I was done. It was over. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, when we, in the world that I'm in, which is these very small acts that, one one could say that probably wasn't a terribly small act, but but you know I didn't have to quit my job, I didn't have to leap out of an airplane, I didn't have to do any of those kind of massive courage, you know, crushing things. 
climb Mount Everest, whatever. It was something in my control. I did it and I felt this intense sense of freedom. And that's really the Facebook post about that experience was what launched Scare Your Soul. So that that is that's almost the root of it. And I, I continue to do that in my own life. But my real joy now is is watching others do it and and feeling all the goodness <laughs> when yeah. they sense their own freedom. Right. I'm I'm what really strikes me is if there is a voice I could listen to all day long, it's yours. And I want you to know that. And to hear that someone at such a young age, silenced you. I, I, granted, you're not singing, but you're speaking. And those two clearly are very related. To have been told to be silent. God, that is just, that is so heartbreaking. Yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, anybody listening to this podcast has their own mm -hmm. set of moments where somebody took a joy away from them in a moment. And we all, you know, we all have them. It's, we, they, we've had them in relationships. We've had them in work settings. We've had them in ways that other people have reacted to new ideas that we've put out in, in, into the world. And, and it is, the, in my mind, you know, there are all kinds of ways to, to deal with that. And there, and there are all kinds of wonderful ways to, to grapple with those experiences. In my mind, the best is one that relates to action. It's taking action in a way that is going to create that kind of healthy anxiety that we were talking about before, because that has to be, that has to be part of the process. We're not numbing ourselves into it. This isn't something where we take a shot of vodka and go do something. This is like, you got to feel all the feels because you're going to get so much goodness afterwards that, that it's all part of that process. And you know, anybody who has, you know, run a marathon knows, you know, you don't run 10 miles or, or, or 20 miles that first day, it's going to be painful, but in small steps, you're going to get better and better and better. And your stamina is going to be greater and you're going to start feeling more confident. And all of a sudden you're going to be like, you know what, not only can I sing in front of a restaurant, I can have a tough conversation mm -hmm. and I can start my own business and I can share this idea that I've had for 10 years or, or write that book that I have been dreaming about writing. And I've been telling myself I can't do because I'm afraid of what people are going to think of me. And you start building that muscle. And when that muscle gets built, you're like a marathon runner, but in life, it's like a life skill. That's to me, like I, that's the life I want to live. I mean, Life is short. We have one shot at this. So don't we want to live it as fully and courageously and adventurously as we possibly can? To me, this is the roadmap. Nice. Really nice. I'm curious in the world of Scare Your Soul, what is climbing the ladder? <laughs> climbing the ladder. So climbing the ladder is a very sequential process of learning how to identify fears and deal with them in a really thoughtful way. And I can, I can describe it to you. Everybody loves a good mnemonic. So ladder, you know, L-A-D-D-E-R, you know, represent a, a certain number of, of steps. So the first step in the ladder is actually labeling the fear that we have in a moment. So if you're confronting something in your life and you, you know, you, you take some time and you, and you feel 
that sense of your fear rising. You know, you can feel it in your body. You, the first step is actually writing out what that fear is, literally saying, you know, how, how do I feel when I experience this? What am I feeling? And, and actually writing it out. So labeling is, is, is the first step. The A is about acceptance. And that is that we all feel fear, especially when we're dealing with areas of growth. And that to deny fear or to try to numb it or to pretend that we're a superhero or we conquer fears or I lead a fearless, no regrets kind of a life, mm. all that crap that you hear in so much of the of this kind of pop psychology the whole uh, fuck world fear out there. Yeah. That yeah. it really, it's that fear is, an ascent, is as essential in, in our lives because it keeps us safe as it's you know, twin sister on the other side, love. Mm -hmm. And so accepting that fear and just saying, you know what, it's okay that I'm feeling it. The third is about taking the power out of the fear, kind of like it's it, the D stands for de-energizing. It's like de-energizing the fear circuit. And that is asking yourself the following question, what would my life feel like if I didn't have this fear? And if one can just think that through, and I've done this so many, you know, dozens of times that, you know, when you ask yourself that question and you realize what your life might look like, if you somehow did not have this fear, it begins to take the voltage down. The second D is about what I call determination and judgment. And this is really important. There is a concept out there that I really love called um, real fear and toxic fear. Real fear being those fears that legitimately we should be paying attention to and, and following. And we all know that, you know, it's important to teach kids not to touch a hot stove or to walk across a busy street. And that we have fears for, for a reason. And there are real things that, that, that we need to be mindful of. Now, on the flip side, there are a whole segment of fears that have been labeled toxic fears, which are self-created either responses to past traumas or projections of, into the future that we think a certain thing will have a certain outcome. And we're worried about it. We create stories around it. I'm, I'm sure you've done podcasts on top of podcasts about <laughs> these types of issues of what, when we deal with past traumas and that are kind of like holding us back. So that's the step where you determine is this something legitimately that I should be afraid of and, and is keeping me safe or, or is this something that's holding me back and I can actually push through? When we finally get through that stage, we end up to, with E and that's effort. That's actually taking action. And the action either can be stepping back and saying, this isn't safe for me or stepping forward. And you know, in many cases, uh, uh, when people go through climbing the ladder, they will find that indeed... This is something that they can push through. They can take a step forward. They can tackle, tackle a fear. And then the final step, which really is informed by the work of into neuroplasticity and the, and the malleability of our brains is re rewriting and rewiring. And that is after we've done something. So take the example of me playing guitar in front of this busy restaurant. I did do it and it was amazing, Right. But it was the reflection afterwards where it kind of like seals it in. You're taking a past trauma and you're saying, okay, 
here's what was holding me back. This guy did this to me or said this to me in, in, in this part, portion of my life. I tackled that particular fear by doing this and I feel amazing. And that that is almost like the end of that particular cycle. And then you kind of cycle back around when, when the next fear hits you. Mm. I created the ladder only because people I felt like were craving a system. Yeah. They could feel a fear and they just needed a system. Yep. And to me, this was, okay, let's break this down into meaningful, small and meaningful, but doable steps. And this has really been kind of like the roadmap as people are, you know, confronting what I call scarier soul acts. It's like, you know, how can you push through? Yeah. I love that. Um, I also love your response. People are craving a system. People are craving a system all day long. And right? yeah. because we all have our perfectly imperfect systems and how great to add yet another system. But <laughs> I, what I love about it is it's easy to remember. It's effective. And what it really is, identify, notice and choose. Yes. Right. And that's that's the story for all of growth. Right. Identify it, notice, and then you get to choose from there. Yeah. Choose. Right. It's not a thing. It's a thing. Right. Yeah. And there are so many that are out there. You know, Tara Brock has her rain technique and others have, have worked in rain as well. Very similar. But for me, I felt like really kind of like bullet pointing this stuff out so that if someone really feels lost in that moment, they, they feel like they want, they know they want to tackle something, but they really want to kind of process it, that this is, you know, a way to step into silence to be able to work within oneself. You don't have to go out and ask somebody else for their advice. You don't have to go to a mentor or a guru to ask for their permission. This is all self-generated, which I love because inside of us, we have our own answers, right? Like we, you have your answers and I have mine. It's just about getting in touch with them. Right, right. I also, for me, ladder is a visual. So I imagine being in a hole of fear, right? Being to somewhere down deep and dark. And as I go through the rungs of L-A-D-D-E-R, ultimately I'm coming to a warm, sunny spot, right? When I am rewriting and rewiring. So cool. I love that. I love that. Tell me this. One, when does your book come out? The book comes out on the 6th of December. Nice. In hardcover and audiobook and ebook and Kindle. Nice. In the audiobook, who narrated your book? Uh, I did. Ooh, cool. Again, I, I think even the fact that I narrated the audiobook was a scarier soul moment for me because my publisher actually did not hire me to narrate my own book. Mm. They um and they're a, they're a huge publishing company and they're, they're very smart and they know what they want. And I had to audition for it. I created a, a little piece. They wanted it done on my phone and I sent it in and they, they came back and they said, you know, this sounds great, but we're going to go with a professional. Mm. And so I was left in, in a little bit of a moment there where, you know, there's a part of me that says, gosh, they know better than I do. And boy, am I lucky to be even writing a book with this incredible company to begin with. And then I thought to myself, absolutely not. I, I need to narrate this. It's my story. These are, these are moments in my life. It's my ideas. I have 
13 individual stories from people who submitted one moment of courage. And I, I've gotten to know each one of them. So I, I felt very, it was very important that those be narrated very carefully and with joy and with love. And so I pushed back and I, I put on a full court press and I promised them that I could do it. And I promised them that I would perform and I wouldn't lose my voice. And they very graciously agreed. And I uh, flew to New York to their offices and, and spent 24 total hours uh, recording the audiobook, which was an exhausting, but one of the most joyous experiences of my entire life. I love that. I love that on so many levels. One, I say this with love and tenderness. I love that they said no to you, right? Because this is this is what they do. They have a system just like everybody else. They have a system, yes. right? You're not a professional narrator. What I also love is fucking Scott Simon, who was told to be silent, fought back. Yes. Right? From your heart like hold on this is my love this is this is something i am so connected to there's no way it's not gonna happen without me and then you did it with your voice the very voice that was told to be silent and that's what listeners are going to hear hell yes scott that's (laughs) so fucking cool i love that thank you thank you congratulations it's a hatchet book, isn't it? Hatchet yeah, is your publisher. Is. Holy shit. You know, it's, we all work so hard and passionately in the things that are important to us, whether it's our families or our, you know, if we happen to have a work, a work life that we're super passionate about. And I've been working kind of, you know, in the trenches a little bit in this work. Scare Your Soul is completely organic. It is uh, volunteer led. There are now 80 ambassadors around the world that, that are involved only because they care about helping other people. Everything is free. Not, we don't charge for anything. And our website really wasn't exactly the most beautiful technologically advanced thing you've ever seen. But somehow a VP that oversees uh, the imprint, the wellness imprint for this wonderful company found that website and reached out to me and asked me if I'd like to turn this into a book. And, and really, first of all, that was shocking and and surprising on every level. But once we met on Zoom, I could tell that she felt very strongly that these messages, first of all, it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the message that small acts of courage can create massive shifts in our lives. And that, you know, Malcolm Gladwell is another writer for this publisher. And and that and he he does his own thing, but it is it is Malcolm Gladwell's ideas on on or Malcolm Gladwell telling you that story. I felt very strongly that this book was going to be a partnership between me as the author and the either the listener or the reader, depending on audiobook or a, a hard copy book. So there's a lot of almost dialogue between whenever there's a challenge or a writing prompt in the book, I share what my response is mm, because cool. I really want there to feel like, you know, a, a, a real partnership between, between us. I want the, the other party to feel like I'm in this with them because in a real way I am. That's mm-hmm. why this whole thing was written and that's why I wanted to narrate it. And so to be able to sit there with these headphones on and a big microphone and an engineer and, a, and an amazing director and to actually be reading these words 
it just felt like it was exactly where I needed to be at that very moment. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else in the world than in that booth reading those words. And what more could I ask for? I love that. Scott, what do you imagine readers believe about themselves prior to reading your book? You know, I think that the people that will respond to this book in the most powerful way are people that who believe that they can change. Mm. And I remember when I first got my degree in positive psychology, one of the first lessons was about Carol Dweck and, and possessing a growth mindset mm-hmm. versus a fixed mindset. And I, while I do think that this book can nudge even you know the most fixed of mindsets because we can start almost with micro changes in our lives and micro actions, I think those who will benefit the most are those who feel like they they have room to grow <laughs> and want to grow. And I talk about all kinds of kind of ma- you know massive areas of life, adventure and awe and curiosity and forgiveness and creation and work. And if those people who believe that they have room to grow in their uh, capacity to forgive, I think this is a book for them. You know, and it, and it, and for those who believe that there is room to experience more awe and transcendence in their lives, then I think that this will be a, a book for them. So I think that is, it's people who say either I, I like where life is going and I know that I can grow or I'm feeling kind of stuck. Mm-hmm. And I know that I want to get unstuck, that, that this book very much is for them. Nice. What do you imagine? So imagine that your ideal reader has plowed through, celebrated, screamed for joy, among the other things they're going to do, challenge themselves. So imagine they close it and they turn to someone and say something about this book they just read. What will they say? I think that they're going to say that they have, um, uh, I'll I'll tell you exactly. I have a whole chapter called The Blank Page. It comes from the work that I've done with divorcing men. I started a number of years ago coaching men who are getting divorced. And one of the first things that I would say to them is, pretend that your life is a journal and you're opening it up to a blank page. There's nothing written, there are no doodles, there's, no, there's, no, there's nothing for you to critique, there's nothing for you to project about. There is a blank page and I'm handing you a pen. You get to write that page. That is the next phase of your life. And so I think what, some, what I would want someone to say is, they put the book down and now they have a blank page. What is the next day going to lead to? What is this next phase of life that they control? Their spouse doesn't control it, their significant other, their parents, their past, their bank account, their height, their weight. None of that controls it. They control it and they've got the pen. Mm. So I'd love for them to say, I'm excited, I'm nervous, and I'm ready. Hmm. Yeah, I'm imagining based on that, that they, I might say to someone, this is my beginning, right? Mine, this is my beginning. And as I turn to someone and hand them the book to read, I might say, I'm curious if you'll find yours, which yes. could be an amazing moment, right? 
Yes. Yeah. I love that. I love it. Yeah. Really nice. Yeah. I mean, so much of this work is, is about interconnection. Mm -hmm. It's about interconnection between courageous people who support each other. Because I, I, if I could just tell you one quick anecdote, I, I think it was such a powerful moment when I, when I first started Scare Your Soul and I didn't even really know what it was, but there was this incredible energy around small acts of courage and, and supporting each other while we, while we did this. One of our first ambassadors is a, a dancer and a, just a powerful human being. She is tough and smart and strong and, and everything about her just exudes confidence and so I asked her what what if she could do a scare your soul challenge, what would hers be? Because I had told her about me singing in front of this restaurant. And she thought about it long and hard. And she came back to me and said that hers was going to be holding hands with somebody walking through a mall. And I said, you know, Sarah Marie, uh, that's great, but I don't get it. Like to me, that seems like the easiest, like literally that's a no brainer. I would have zero nerves about that. And she went on to tell me that she had come from an abusive home, that she didn't like people touching her. She didn't like hugging. She didn't like any physical contact. So for her, walking hand in hand with somebody in a mall was as courageous as me standing in front of a restaurant singing with a guitar or, or, or someone else you know, um, uh, apologizing for wronging someone 20 years before mm -hmm. that, that they haven't done and they know they need to do. And in that moment, I knew that we were all interconnected in this work and that I could be just as proud of her for her accomplishment as she could be for me. And that's why I think really the power of Scare Your Soul is kind of both aspects of this, of, of this magical equation. On one side, it's the individual. We all are acting courageously in our own lives. But the other is that there's community built around it, that, that we support each other, that the ambassadors do this work in their own communities and, and sh share it, that people can get our newsletter and hear stories about what others are doing or go on our website and take a free and do a free challenge and, and, and share it on social media and encourage other people to do it. And that's really where some of my greatest hope is. And that is, shifting, you know, really shifting ideas, shifting people's actions, shifting people's intentions. And we all know that, you know, when someone in our family starts acting a certain way, whether it's in a negative way or in a, in a healthy and positive way, it affects us. And so if more people are happier and have a greater sense of freedom and a sense of joy, their family members are going to feel that. And their family members are going to be encouraged to do very much the same thing. And then you're really shifting families, you're shifting then a community, you're shifting a city, and you're shifting the world. Yeah, I love that. That's the embodiment of truth and love and our own humanity. That's, that's the secret. Yeah, really cool. Hey, Scott, was it scary to be here? It's always scary to to be here, yes. I, first of all, I love and respect the work that you do. And I want to make sure that that I am that I do well for you, <laughs> and that I say things that are going to help people. And and I have a, a a lot of people that are that love scare your soul that 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 want this story to be told. So yes, every time I talk about it, it scares me because I care about it so much, and I, and I want to do my best. Yeah, 
You did great. You <laughs> did great. And I want to say this. Had you just sat where you are with your mic without worry of doing well for me or doing well for Scare Your Soul or doing well for your parents, all of what you bring would have been enough. And we got even more. So thank you. Um, thank you for being here. It was really an honor. Thank you. Absolutely. So December 6th, not only will we link to Scare Your Soul and all of you on socials, when the book comes out, we will go back and link to where to get the book and everything around it. Terrific. Thank you so much. This has really been such a pleasure. Absolutely. It was mine as well. Thank you, Scott. You've been listening to the Trauma Hiders Club podcast. For more episodes, head over to my website where you'll find links to resources mentioned and all the ways you can listen on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're ready to fight, discover the rules of Trauma Club. Head over to KarenGoldfingerBaker.com.